0: Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioners meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public meetings. To comply with the governor's proclamation declaring a state of emergency in Maryland, to minimize the person-to-person spread of COVID-19, we suggest that citizens stay home and watch the county commissioner's meeting live on our Queen Anne's County website at www.qac.org live or on QAC TV's television channel, Atlantic Broadband Channel 7, and now in high definition, Channel 507. To maintain social distancing, seating will be limited in our meeting room. We are screening all participants prior to entering the building. If you have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, and or shortness of breath, please refrain from attending the meeting and notify a health care provider. We acknowledge your participation and by attending, you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. The scheduled agenda is available on the information table just outside of our meeting room. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, you must sign the sheet on the information table outside. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. Citizens can also join the live Zoom meeting by going to www.qac.org public comment or you may email comments to publiccomment at QAC.org. We will accept your comments up until the end of the meeting, and comments received will be read during the press and public comment period on this evening's agenda. During the meeting, we would ask that you turn off electronic devices and hold any personal conversations outside of our meeting room. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Chris Corcorino. I pledge pledge allegiance to the the flag
1: of the United United States of America. And to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under, under God, God indivisible, indivisible,
2: with liberty with justice and justice for all. A moment of silence for all of our law enforcement officers who every day go out there and put their lives at risk for us.
0: Thank you. Go ahead. All right, thank you, commissioners. Uh, we just held a um, closed session under section 3-305B7 of the general provisions article to consult with council and under section 305B1 to discuss boards and commissions. And we did reach consensus on a three boards and commissions. Uh, The first one being the the new formation of the travel and tourism advisory committee. So uh, would one of you gentlemen like to read off the membership of the or would you like me to do it? Why don't you read them and then we'll make the motion off of the other So we have a number of members, uh, nine folks to the uh, tourism, travel and tourism advisory committee. We have uh, Derek Janes, CEO of Chesapeake Bay Beach Club. John Andres. I'm sorry, uh, do we we have to say their terms? Oh, excuse me, thank you, commissioner. Yes, uh, the first one, Derek Janes, three year term, John Andres from the Queenstown Harbor links for a three-year term. Jody Schultz, Fisherman's Inn, Fisherman's Deck, Hyde Place, two-year term. Brian Truitt, Patriot Acres Farm Brewery, two-year term. Dolores Jones, Director of, Director of Sales and Marketing, Kent Manor Inn, for a two-year term. Katherine Bonner, she's retired but she has experience in the group and travel and marketing industry for a two-year term. Gail Owens, the Executive Director of Eastern Shore Heritage, three-year term. Eric Hoffman, Operator of the Holiday Inn Express for a three-year term. And Michelle Brink Pringle for a two-year term. And she's representing the um, uh, recreation. recreation industry. Thank you.
3: Um, make a motion to uh, appoint all of the named applicants to the uh, Tourism Advisory Committee.
2: Second. Motion a second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. <clears throat> Opposed?
0: 4-0. Okay, thank you commissioners. Secondly, we had uh, some recommendations here for the Economic Development Commission. We have three proposed uh, assignments. Uh, first one is James P Riley representing the small business sector. Uh, second is Shawna Truitt. Representing the agriculture and brewing sector and the third is Larissa Costello. Um it's represent I think finance industry. Representing finance industry, correct. So can I get a motion on that, please? Motion to appoint
3: all the nominees to the Economic Development Commission as named. Second.
2: Got a motion and a second in discussion. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed?
0: 4-0. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Okay. And Do you wanna- just announce he's an abs- why absent he's not here yeah 401 <laughs> okay 40 <zero. laughs> <laughs> okay and and lastly we have the property tax assessment board and these are representatives that we would recommend uh, to the governor's office for selection and reappointment we have Mark Cassia and Thomas Morris to the property tax assessment board can I get a motion on that please motion to
3: uh, recommend to the governor's office to Named applicants,
2: second. Got a motion, a second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Four in favor, one absent. Um, and just people out there, Commissioner Moran is uh, on vacation today. He is not ill or anything like that. That's why he's much not des- here today. Much deserved vacation. Much deserved. Well, much deserved. That's debatable. Gotta
3: yes. get those cardboard cutouts to stick up there. <laughs> I was
1: thinking about that today. Cardboard uh, cutout for everyone. It's put, we'll Just, put Ronald McDonald in there. Put, yes. Ronald McDonald would have been perfect.
0: All right. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Then uh, we have the approval of t- tonight's agenda. Uh, March the 9th, along with the reg- regular and closed session and Sanitary Commission meeting minutes from your February 23rd meeting, were distributed electronically for review. Do we have any additions and or corrections? Motion to approve as submitted. Second. And a motion
2: to a second. Any discussion? all those in
0: favor aye aye four and one absent all right thank you commissioners that brings us to our first press and public comment period so uh we have this uh statement thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners during this public comment period we are uh comments are limited to three minutes per person comments longer than three minutes should be submitted in writing if you come forward please speak clearly at the standing microphone state your name address topic of interest Keeping the dignity, with the dignity of our office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. This commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely. We ask, as a courtesy to the board and our citizens, that you respect the commissioner's request to refrain from naming citizens and name calling when offering any critique. So, no
4: one
0: signed online? up. No one online. Nobody on Zoom? Nope. All right, moving right on. We want comment. to turn to tab number two, commissioners. We have the Department of Public Works this week, and uh, if Mr. Quimby wants to come in, our director of Public Works and our chief engineer Lee Edgar. We have a number of things, and I think we have the uh, the warden tonight. Oh, warden my Good evening. So tab two, item number one. We have an update on our detention center addition and renovation project. So, (laughs) take it away gentlemen.
5: Thank you, Uh, good evening commissioners. Uh, Warden Cook and I are here this evening just to provide you with a very brief update regarding our progress together in the design for the uh, detention center. Uh, Just a bit of history reminder, the building was built originally in 1987 and uh, Over the time now it no longer meets the current incarceration and rehabilitation needs. So we're looking at things like program space, pretrial release, uh, special housing and classification areas. Uh, In addition, the building's mechanical, electrical, plumbing and security systems are all approaching 35 years old. They've become unreliable and costly to maintain. So we're in the need of the addition of a new facility as well as renovation to the existing facility. Through the past year, uh, Warden Cook and his staff have worked with public works engineers and our consultant, ATI, through a design process to uh, plan for expansion and renovation to the building. Uh, It's a three-step design process. We've just completed schematic design, which is really the first concept planning stage. And so we thought this would be a good time to just come in, let you know how we've done with things We've primarily nailed down the the scope, the the level of uh, expansion and everything for the building, trying to make economical use of the existing facility as well as the land and everything that we have available to provide for our anticipated needs, but nothing more than that. Um, We have uh, been working in programming through multiple fiscal years of funding with the state. They've been working through the design process with us and we've made applications for grant funding, which would fund approximately 50% of the eventual work. So uh, with that being said, I'd like to turn it over to uh, the warden. He can provide you just a little bit of information regarding some of the
6: programming elements and such that are going into the design. Yeah. Before I start, I would like to give my thanks to Lee, Allen, and the team from the Department of Public Works for working with us. Without them, I don't know where we would be in the process. And it's been a lot of work uh, for all of us to try to get this plan in a manner that is going to serve the county uh, for many years to come. Some of the areas that uh, we've been working on and trying to plan, I want to mention primarily the medical uh, wing. I'll call it the medical wing. Uh, We are not able to meet the mandate for the mat program, the medical assistant treatment that's going to be required of all counties. Uh, Dr. Seattle has uh, advised that there's no way we can meet the need of it in the current facility. So that's one key area that we're gonna to have to really work on and uh, get that where it needs to be. I think we have it designed uh, in a manner that will meet the need of that MAP program, but that will be determined uh, as we move forward. Uh, the uh, programming area, uh, areas that we're, we have to address, is, is to try to help better acclimate these individuals that are incarcerated with us. Uh, to prepare them to go back on the street, we don't have any of the programs or able to do any of the programs because of the limited uh, physical space that we had there. Uh, anger management, uh, uh, how to uh, apply for a job. We had a little program that came on a uh, van uh, from the Department of Labor some years ago, but that program was stopped, so we weren't able to, to do that anymore. So uh, things like that GED is another area we want to do. There's a number of things I could name, but we're not able to do those sufficiently. Now we do some basic programs as far as AA and NA. We have, but we had to cancel that because of the COVID situation. And we're going to plan on seeing when we can start that back up again. So uh, that's another area Um, food service. I think we've talked about that kitchen a number of times over the years. And and that, I I tell you, I got to give the Airmark staff, my gosh, I don't know how they do it, you know? And, uh, you know, they've made do with what they have. We have made some minor renovations there and the walk-in and some of the storage area in the building. And uh, that's helped out. But still, we're at a loss because one of the things is, uh, as far as getting dry goods supplies in, Uh, we're very limited in space so you know they can't order the bulk of materials like they'd like to have in that kitchen uh, you know for use and um, that's one of the areas uh, that we really need to uh, look at doing Um, the uh, training for staff that's another area we have been doing that in the current conference room which is very cramped but we've been managing to do in-service in fact we have another in-service class tomorrow that we'll be conducting that's required because uh, under uh, the regulations of the training commission uh, both for police and corrections, we are required to do a number of in service hours every year. Uh, and and that includes firearms. So we're also planning to do that, but that's done partly in class and partly out in the field on the range. So uh, we want to be better uh, able to, to handle doing that. Our processing area is another area, our intake area. Uh, We've managed to work with that with two holding areas, but uh, sometimes we have a special situation where we have somebody comes in under drugs or their behavior problem, which the officers that have arrested them have to fight them to get them into the patrol vehicle and then they have to radio ahead and ask some of our officers to meet them outside. We've had that a fair amount of times uh, over the over the number of years trying to resolve that. Uh, Also trying to um, Handle some of the, the mental health issues that come up with people. Uh, the mental health, those with uh, co-occurring disorders such as you know the drugs create issues for them medically and physically and trying to handle those are a problem. And I tell you, trying to get some of these people uh, into a, a hospital, the state hospital, uh, is kind of a long lengthy process. And I know we've dealt with with uh, Judge Craterville, and he's tried to put his pressure on on the uh, health care people to get things moving, uh, but he's found he's run into a stone wall. We just had a case not long ago, uh, but several weeks ago we had a critical person that needed to get in and uh, still needs to get in. We're still holding that individual and we were held up because of the bureaucracy, bureaucracy that's now involved in getting these people committed. So we're there trying to medicate the individual, handle him in, in a very limited situation. So far we've been able to do it, but it's, it's not always easy. To, to handle that but uh, I want to make you aware that our population has jumped uh, inside to 90s the 90s now uh, on the uh, in-house portion of it uh, that's been a big jump and the courts haven't started up yet until April so we're going to see some effect of that uh, as, as that goes on you know when they, they get back up to you know the dropping of the COVID level situations and all that one of the things that we have done with the other counties we had a uh, a conference call uh, week before last week i believe it was on tuesday all the uh, correctional agencies at the local level had a meeting with the chief judges uh, for both the circuit and district courts for for maryland and we're trying to work with them to increase our use of the video systems uh, interlinking them so we don't have to have officers going for certain hearings all the way over to carroll county uh, down the lower Maryland, Eastern Shore, Southern Maryland, trying to utilize that where we can a little bit more to help with the tra- you know, lowering the transport demands uh, of the officers and traveling. So there's a number of things that we're looking at, but uh, still trying to meet the needs of uh, getting this facility facility where it needs to be is going, you know, hopefully, you know, it works out where it needs to. We can, uh, you know, we're going to in the process eliminate, uh, because like the G pod that we have in the back, that'll be gone. We have to get rid of that. And unfortunately we're gonna have to get the uh, new wing that we put on modular unit that has to go away also in order to make this thing work. Uh, and also the infrastructure in the main hub of the building, the original hub of the building really needs some work and, uh. I know we're doing a project uh, that they're working on now for the air air hailing system. There's been a problem with that and they had to get us a portable unit to air condition the place this could the system. It went down. So they're working on a project now to get a unit put in and, and work. There's some issues with the roof that they have to look at the uh, uh, warranty uh, on the roof from Firestone, uh, among other things, and trying to get that in before this weather really gets warm again because I tell you, it's a different environment in there when you don't have air or moving air in the building. It, it, it gets really uncomfortable for the staff primarily as well as the inmates. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on. The wiring, the piping has been in there 33, 34 years. It's beginning to show its age. We've been able to maintain it as best we can, but all those things need to be upgraded and, and you know, taken care of uh, through the project. I think I've covered just about
5: well, I think you did very well and all the factors that uh, the warden alluded to there were all taken into consideration through this schematic design process uh, the fruits of those labors are there before you P- try to put them together in just a simple color coded layout that shows the existing facility with the new the relation of the new and the old spaces the beds and everything uh, I think it's pretty clear cut so we'll open up for any questions you have and certainly you can follow up with us at any time that you'd like. Can you can you touch on the, uh, the schedule, the bed count and the uh, cost? Thank you. Yes. So the uh, as far as the schedule goes, we will be proceeding through design development and then preparation of construction drawings through about the next 16 months. It's going to be an intensive design process. So we want to present this to you now before we proceeded further. So we're looking at completing design uh, mid to late next year and looking for putting out to bid in early 2023. So that's the timetable that we're looking at. Uh, As far as the bed count goes, uh, the layout that you have is helpful in understanding the changes we've made. As uh, the warden alluded, we're preserving the vast majority of the existing facility with the exception of the G pod, which is that C container, which was modified for housing that needs to go. There's the H and I pod where ultimately we determined even though it's a newer component to the building, it would cost more to bring it up to current standards than to replace it. So the layout that you have there is, uh, what that does is it takes the, presently the building has 150 beds total. Of which 148 are general population so pretty much two special beds the new completed renovated and expanded detention center would have an increase of 23 beds from 150 to 173 total however these beds primarily make up all of the programming and special needs medical and all that that we alluded to because the actual Population beds will be going down from 148 to 138. And we believe that the 138 number for general population is about right for uh, the anticipated incarceration rates as they're going forward. So we're only seeing a modest increase of 23 beds for the entire building, but understanding that virtually all of those beds are. For medical and program area, and then modernization and updates. Uh, Lastly, we're looking at about uh, $30 million is the current uh, budget projection for this. We've seen substantial escalation in construction costs through the last year. Unfortunately, the pandemic has contributed to availability for products and things like that, and we aren't seeing things slow down. Uh, Through the last year, all of the different design iterations that we went through, 30 million is about the only number we could make everything work and get the necessary program space and bed counts that we're looking for. Again, we've been working with the state for grant funding spread over several fiscal years, which would fund approximately one half or 15 million of that.
7: So they've agreed to that 15?
5: So far, with every fiscal year, and we've been, with our last budget request, we, we indicated that, that the current, as we've completing schematic design, we're looking at $30 million and we've increased our request for them to $15 million is, is the last ask. And as it goes through that process, we'll, we'll see where they are with that.
7: Right, well Lamont, we're cleared for 10 now, aren't we? I mean, I mean 20 now, our cut being 10. right. right but they haven't agreed to the 15 step up of five yet.
6: We'll we'll go back before them in in the next fiscal year, not this year, but the next fiscal year for consideration. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. All reality is it'll be 35 by the time they get the bids in.
3: (laughs) I mean, I'm just telling you at 12 and a half to 13% escalation right now, and that's on the low end. Yeah, we might as well start shooting for 35 and looking for 17 and a half that's probably going to be where we're at. I
7: agree and with
1: you. <laughs> and that escalation is material. Everything
3: everything. everything. Are we going
1: are we having to displace any of the the uh, inmates?
6: When we get to that portion, uh, that might be a possibility. Now, the, the initial plan is, is to go ahead and get the new wing done. Move them the, over the bulk of that and move who we can over there. Now, in some cases, depending on the security level of the individuals, I'll be honest with you, we may have to move them temporarily to another facility. I'm not saying that's definite, but we're gonna to have to plan for that because some of the type of people that we're getting in now, you know, it's kind of really uh, a security concern that we're dealing with. In fact, we had um, Anne Arundel County and uh, Cecil County call us over the last couple of days to handle a couple of people that were on the higher security uh, risk factor and we had to turn them down. Because of the numbers of people that we have in, and the COVID situation, because we're still trying to manage to separate new intakes from, you know, we don't, at, till you we know, don't their know disease going than- into the, the the virus. I'm sorry, going into the other population. But it's going to be more difficult as the count goes up. Uh, we have a, a pressure to do weekend sentences again from one of the courts we're gonna to have to do it because if that's what the judge wants, that's what we're gonna to have to do. So we're still trying to balance out how we're going to minimize any, any virus, uh, issues with test that. Test them when they come in right away tested as far as, is it the a rapid test or is it, it's, it's a, uh, we do the temperature, medical will determine for us whether or not we need to go further, but we okay. automatically put them into another uh, isolated area. Right? So if they're just there for the weekend, then, then they're, they gotta be isolated Sort of that. We'll do our best with that, but yeah. it's going to depend on population. Like I say, population's going up. The female unit now, we have 18 in there, but we had to move uh, six out to other facilities. That population just ballooned up, so we're trying to keep it where we don't have to, you know, have, have folks triple bumped or anything like that. So we're still trying to balance that out, and that's that's going on with several of the other facilities in the region. Those populations are going up.
7: What what a proportion of the staff is vaccinated?
6: Since it's not mandated, uh, we yeah. had, I think I can say a majority of the staff have, but there were some that that still aren't happy with, with trying to do it. They yeah. have their belief and it's not, you know, we're not mandated to force them to do it.
7: And what about the inmates? Is there any offering to them of vaccination?
6: We're, we're going to approach that uh, situation very shortly. There's a number of them I've talked to uh, that don't want it and then the other thing is you know when you you try to plan to have them sometime they get out the court releases them or yeah. their cases whatever and so you're you know no, i
7: just wondered whether whether health had offered them to the inmates
6: mm-hmm. we have we have talked to some of them about i won't say some but the ones that we had there we have talked to but uh, we, we're going to have to plan with the health department on trying to move that forward
7: right but has the health department Offered shots to inmates.
6: Not directly. No, we're going to have to work on that. It just hasn't been. You know, it was trying to get staff done, and and I know you know shots were were, were limited, so we're going to try to work on that next. We have a plan to do that. What's the
7: average? Uh, or give me some kind of median number for the average uh, term of incar- incarceration
6: for. Well, that's changed because of this COVID thing. It's uh, in some cases it's increased. In some other cases folks that would have been incarcerated on the pre-trial program and I can tell you on that pre-trial program we've been almost up to 80 people I think we did reach 80 yeah. on that program and then on the other part of that we've had some people that didn't work out on that program and they had to be brought back in and they, they had to come back into the facility right. you know? so it's just a balancing act I, I can tell you we just met with uh, Dave Dawkins and, and uh, Wes Crabtree who we're, we're putting in with with um, Dave to work on that program and it they, I mean they have been just really really running with that program and and trying to manage it and all and we're, we're doing some changes in the schedule to help that a little better because uh, Wes has had to help in the back sometimes and now we're trying to get it so he just stays there with David and, and does what they need to do and it and, and it and is just a full day of them doing that, you know, just trying to keep up with that. And then there's sometimes the court calls and wants to change the, the time of the hearings, which puts a little pressure on them because they need so much time to do the cases and, and do the backgrounds on them. And uh, sometimes that really presses them, you know, tight. And, you know, that's one of the things that uh, we're trying to help them out with.
7: No, I was trying to get some kind of a sense at least of what the average or the median sentence length might be? Oh, the, three uh, months, that, that varies.
6: It's going to vary. Oh, uh, no, but there's... You know, uh, I would say... Uh, six months, three six, months. Uh, three to six months. Right. And that's not counting the people that are having cases that would send them to the state. So that's going to vary, because sometimes they keep those longer pretrial than they do, you know, for those that can't get out longer pretrial for those state cases.
7: Sure. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay.
2: any other questions all right
0: thank you thank you thanks warden thank you lee okay all right uh commissioners uh, if you want to convene as the roads board we have a few items for the uh, roads board tonight and i make got... a motion
1: that we uh convene as the roads board
0: second okay so if uh, we have chief roads engineer shane moore we have a. Uh, you want to flip to item number two on page seven? We have uh, a deed of dedication for Meadowbrook Estates, phase two. Can we get a motion on that? Move to
3: execute the deed of dedication for Meadowbrook Estates, phase two. You
2: got a second? Second.
3: second. a motion, second. Any discussion on
2: that? No? Okay. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Four
0: in favor? All right. One on the beach. Okay. Well, we're on a roll here. Item three on page 15 is another deed of dedication. This is for Waterman's Cove for short court.
1: I'm going to make a motion. We execute the deed of dedication. Second. Got a
2: motion, Second in discussion. All those in favor?
1: Aye.
0: Aye. Any opposed? Four in favor. One absent. Okay. If you want to, uh, item number four is uh, replacement of some fleet equipment uh, some chippers
6: so we I move to
3: purchase
0: two Vermeer
3: BC 1000 XL chippers from Vermeer all roads of Annapolis Junction Maryland the amount of 78,676 via the source well contract number 062117-VRM second
2: got a motion second in discussion all those in favor aye, aye. any opposed for four in favor
0: one absent Great. item number five on page twenty six is a replacement of fleet equipment for tractor mowers for the roads division I move to purchase two John Deere 5100 M utility tractors with Tiger
3: mowers from Atlantic tractor of Queen Anne Maryland in the amount of 185 185 thousand five hundred fifty dollars via the source well contract number one one zero seven one nine JDC PG one PCG 70
2: second got a motion a second any discussion all those in favor aye, aye.
1: any opposed and this is just basically to replace equipment that's aged system together with bubble gum and duct tape yep. yes <laughs>
2: exactly okay. one in favor one absent
0: all right thank you commissioners um i think that's all we had for the roads board we can convene as sanitary commission next if you like we two items there. sanitary second okay, all right, first item is an uh, informational item Household Hazardous Waste Day. So, Shane, you wanna present that?
8: Sure. On uh, Saturday, 17th, 2021, Kent County will be hosting the Midshore Regional Recycling Program Households Hazardous Waste Disposal Latex Paint and Electronics Recycling Event. This event will be held at the Nicholson Drop Off Center at 23750 Larney Nick Road in Chestertown from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., rain or shine. Um, there's plenty of information on the Queen Anne's County website as well as Kent County's and for Maryland Environmental Service website of what is allowed to be brought and what is not. Um, as you may remember this past October, Queen Anne's County um, housed the pro- uh, program. Housed- it was very successful. It was a record-setting year. Uh, Kent County is, is, is taking that lead this year with planning for more cars. I think last year we ended up with over 700 and some visitors that day. Wow. So they're going to be planning for 600 this time and uh, hopefully we'll have another good successful event.
1: And, and, and um, of that, uh, is it fair to say that we have a, a, an equal amount of people coming from the, the four counties? Or
8: Yes, it, w- it was a good showing from all four counties. Okay. All
0: right. Okay. Yeah. Any Thank questions? You. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Thank you, Shane. Right. Thank you. Um, item number seven is a request for a water allocation for the Crab Deck restaurant on page 33. Make I a motion on that, please?
3: Grant, 3,400 gallons per day of water allocation to Schultz Associates LLC to connect their existing restaurant to public water for which a 10% non-refundable deposit will be required within 30 calendar days. Second. Got a motion to
2: second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed?
0: Four in favor, one absent. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. All right, commissioners, we are just about back on schedule. If you want to do the we have two presenters. Do you want to do those next before we do the action items? Yeah. Okay. Next up, we have Dr. Ciattola, Queen Anne's County Health Officer, for his update. So Dr. Ciattola, floor is yours. Tab
2: six. So, been up to anything interesting, Dr. C? <laughs>
0: yes. Tab six, item one, commissioners.
4: Let's just say I on the screen. here.: Samuel well. same it's old, same gift old that keeps on giving.
0: <laughs> this is the one year anniversary, right? For the uh, pandemic,
7: it, I believe. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: Just about one year. Yeah, it's about one had, year. Hard to tell, believe.
7: We'll she never
4: cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, good evening. Good evening. Well, the good news is the governor opened everything up. To, as of Friday at five o'clock in his press conference oh, today.
2: So what do you say? I missed the press great. conference.
4: So basically, we're going to follow the state's guidelines. Capacity restrictions have been lifted on indoor dining. The issue is still the bars. I mean, there cannot be any standing and food consumption. So and six foot distancing is still required.
3: If you're not sitting. Masking
4: down. is still required.
3: If you're not sitting down.
4: Right. Okay, so six foot distancing family tables and the tables obviously the restaurants have now what what effect this will really have. It's more on outdoor venues because they've increased the capacity there. So there's no 250 restriction as long as it's 50. If like it's a tent, it'll be 50% of the occupancy of the tent now. So I think this is the beginning of a process where he's trying to allow the businesses to try and really start pushing product, their activities. And as far as M&T Bank Stadium is concerned and Oriole Park, he's talking 50% capacity. So for ball games, so I think we're starting to see life returning. We have several large events planned here in April and May, which I think. This notice tonight that goes into effect on Friday night at 5 p.m. will certainly allow and encourage participation in the boat shows, the sea glass festival and stuff like that, things that are planned for the community. So I'm glad to hear that. Just a a
1: quick clarification. Um, In the restaurants, um,
4: no more than tables of six still. They didn't really we're waiting for the final oh, okay. executive summary okay. of this but basically i think he's just opened up the the capacity of all of the indoor dining as well as outdoor dining okay as long as they can still maintain that six foot distancing which is again the issue in a lot okay. of places so so tonight i want to give you an update since my last trip here i believe it was in december uh-huh. So the slide presentation, the da- I'm going to give you some updated data on the slide deck, because the slide deck we put together for data up to the 2nd of March. So let's see if, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As you can see, this gives not only Queen Anne County statistics, but the state of Maryland. And I think the important one for everybody to realize is the actual confirmed deaths in Queen Anne County are not 13 but 31 total. 18 of those 31 occurred in our skilled nursing facility. So in essence, we had 13 individuals that were living in the community who succumbed to their comorbidities and COVID. And it also shows what is going on as far as proportion of population vaccinated. As you know, we received our first doses of Moderna, I believe Christmas Eve, and we started vaccinating that last week of December during the Christmas holidays, and we've been progressively vaccinating since then. Unfortunately, as you know, with your efforts and a lot of other people's efforts, we've not been able to truly increase the allocation to the health department. We started off with an allocation of 500 a week then they cut us back to 300 a week and one week they cut us back to 200 a week and this week we got 400 so hopefully over the next three to four weeks we will look at allocations of 400 doses of Moderna per week. We did receive some J and J very limited number of J and J vaccine and we are using the J and J for our mobile team that's doing housebound individuals that are truly limited in their ambulatory ability. It makes it much easier to do a single shot instead of having to schedule these 28 day second dose. We're also using it for some of our first responders and public safety who would prefer a single dose J and J as opposed to the Moderna vaccine. We will probably have all of that allocation done by the end of next week. So looking at percentage, according to the state. Between. Other entities vaccinating and understand we've had a lot of our citizens go out of county, some to six flags, some to Waldorf, some to Anne Arundel County, the Walgreens, the CVSs. Here in Queen Anne, we have the pharmacy at the Safeway, which is doing essentially 20 individuals a day. They are cooperating with us, the health department. We give them 10 names, register those 10 individuals for the Safeway. And we're taking it off our master list of 75 and older. We are dwindling it down. As of today, we're sitting at about 2,200 remaining 75 and older. The other entities that working with vaccination in the county is the two Walgreens, the one in Chester, the one in Centerville. They will not work with us because they're federally funded with their allocation. So I have no access to refer patients to them, but they are seeing on their own. We
2: don't know how much they're getting.
4: Unfortunately, that data is not shared with the local health departments. The state has that data, and when you look at the total number, when we get to a couple of next slides, when you look at the total number of vaccinations for Queen Anne County state overall, you see that 12,611. That includes not only the health department vaccination, but what Safeway has done, what other individuals have gone out of the county to get vaccinated and, the, and CVS. CVS in Chester, I talked to the pharmacist, they were still waiting to see how much they were gonna be allocated. CVS in Anne Arundel has done some vaccination on our population. Yes, Commissioner. Quick question, um, going back
1: to Safeway, they're, they're they're taking um, folks on our waiting
4: list. Um, we are re- referring specific individuals from our waiting list to those 10 appointments per day. OK, and where's the
1: vaccine for The Safeway injections coming from
4: the state allocation okay. to them. OK, it so it's not coming at, from our coffers. It not came us. out. It did not come out of ours. OK,
1: good. So they're working with us with doses that weren't even dedicated the notes. state helped us with that part standing so yeah. Thank you. Safeway. We got that.
4: Well, thank the pharmacy Department Safeway. Yeah. Andrea, the pharmacist was very helpful in getting this set up and working with us. I've adjusted the numbers on the next column, and this is specifically Queen Anne County Department of Health totals. As you see, initially you had 82 8262 total. Well, we vaccinated 600 and some people yesterday, both first and second dose. And as of now, we have 8,344 total, 4,899 first doses have been administered, and 3,445 second dose, okay? As you can see, we started off slow in December, started to ramp up in January, and we ramped up pretty good in February. Uh, and depending on how much allocation we get, I hope to double what we did in February. This gives you a breakdown of what we're doing weekly. And this Friday we have another <coughs> first dose clinic at Count Island Fire Department. Six hundred doses have been allocated for that clinic, and it is already filled. Now we have a standby list. And the way we have a standby list. That little 10 dose vial really has 11 or 12 doses. You gotta be kind of skimpy to get it, but we're getting it. And that can add an additional 50 or 60 people from that clinic that we start making the calls to the standby list, which we've taken off our wish list and call them the day before and then have them start coming in Around 10 o'clock, the clinic is running from nine to three, but we'll start bringing in additional first dose people from the standby list, knowing that we have drawn extra vaccine from what we've brought to the clinic. When we finish that clinic, I would suspect that we probably will have vaccinated additional 50 people that were on that weren't on the list and that's what we've been able to do with every clinic we've been running doc real quick um as far as vaccinations and what we're
1: allocated weekly um are we still peeling vaccinations off to educators yes okay
4: and matter of fact the educators are some of the priority list on the standby we call the principals and say we got 10 more doses send us 10 teachers mm-hmm. or 10 staff and i would say that without looking at the hr department of the board of ed i don't know exactly how many i think we're close to 70% of those that wanted the vaccine but like everything else in life now more people want the vaccine when they've seen that their friends neighbors are okay have not had any major right. growth additions or loss of hair right Starts it's, like this that. was pre-vaccine <laughs> now Gives you a pretty good breakdown on age. We've done over 2,000 of our 75 and older, but we still have an about additional 2,000 more to go. And I would hope within the next week and a half to 10, two weeks to be able to move into our 65 and older. We are hitting some that are in that 65 and even 60 if they have any specific medical condition that makes them higher risk i've kind of prioritized those and our mobile team is going out on Tuesdays and Thursdays they have done all of the congregate housing all the assisted living facilities the D- the dda have met all of those and now they're starting to make the home visits to the homebound so we are technically when we have enough vaccine, vaccinating five days a week. We did Sudlersville last Wednesday. The plan is to take next week's 400 allocation to Sudlersville on Wednesday. We have another second dose clinic on Monday at Kent Island. But with the fact that I'm only getting 400, and there's no sense in splitting these appointments and these vaccine clinics to small numbers like under 200, makes no logical sense from a logistic standpoint. We're vaccinating as we did Monday about 650 people between nine and two with about 14 to 16 staff members. We have six vaccinators. We have a vaccine prepper. We have admin staff doing the registration. It staff. So this is a fairly large contingent that we're moving to do all this. And I certainly would like to uh, thank County Allen volunteer fire department and Suttlersville volunteer fire department for letting us use their halls. Without that, we wouldn't have a space to be able to allow observation of the vaccine recipients for 15 minutes. That's the holdup, because we've got to have a room big enough to do social distancing and observe and to this point, knock on wood, we've had no adverse reactions at all. This slide gives you essentially what we're looking at total in Queen Anne residents. Now obviously people have been coming to us. The links were shared with family members, work coworkers, so but you can see that we're pretty much now sticking pretty close to residents of Queen Anne County. Monthly incidents. The numbers that the governor repeated today, the 7% positivity rate statewide was 3.4%. Queen Anne has now come down as of today to a positivity percentage of 2.87%. And you look at new case rates, where we were in January, and where we are today, The state average is 12.99. We're sitting at 7.09. So statistically, we've seen a significant decrease in positive cases. Now, the variant. Where do we stand with the variants, okay? There are three variants that are circulating in the state right now. And as of this morning, Anne County last week we were notified we had two variant positive cases from the UK we have no additional variants as of this week but in the state they have not only the UK variant they have the South African variant and they have the Brazilian variant so far at this point in time we've not seen any significant increase in severity of positive cases Requiring significant hospitalization or even those individuals that had been vaccinated then became ill. the two individuals that we have. Became ill less than two weeks after their second shot, so they were really not covered by immunity because of the fact that they didn't have that two to four week period of time from their first shot. So we all of the testing that we're doing and we're still doing our drive-through testing on Tuesdays at the health department. Chesapeake College is still doing testing on Mondays with Sure Health. And we're averaging now anywhere from 115 to 120 to 150 people. So we've seen the testing volume significantly decrease and most of that testing was due to people who thought they had been exposed or who had traveled out of state and needed a negative test before they could go back to work or activities. And I think now with the change in the lifting of the travel restriction for out of state travel, we may see also a decrease in testing. But as, as I said, and you look at the age group where the percentage of the cases are, their majority is in our middle age group. It's in that 25 to 55. That is the predominance of the cases that we've experienced.
1: And you attribute that mostly because that group is not staying home. No, they're working. Let's just say
4: or they're they're working. That is the most active group, both in work, because most of this Is acquired outside of the home and when it is brought into the home the entire family usually ends up getting it Mm -hmm. but it's also the most active in other activities leisure activities and socialization but that's what we expect but overall when you look at the severity of what we faced looking at the monthly hospitalization as well as our monthly deaths and you see what happened in January we had six deaths in January. But when you think about the fact that total we had thirteen community deaths, I think that Queen Anne County has fared extremely well due to the diligence of our citizens with distancing, <laughs> staying away from large gatherings, facial coverings, and really being mindful of protecting or senior population
7: so before you leap away from I'll
4: my favorite back.
7: my favorite chart there hospitalizations nationally hospitalizations have gone down from about 95,000 in the country to 44 or three or something like that which is to say that in two months it's declined by 50 percent or more uh, Our hospitalizations here were tending to run about eight. We were holding about steady at eight for a good bit. What do we got sitting out there now? Six. So that's a little bit less. What do you attribute the decline in hospitalizations nationally to Uh, the advent of the vaccine or more? more
4: I think it's a combination. You're having some degree of herd immunity. You're having an effect from the vaccine, but I think the monoclonal antibody treatment, which is done as an outpatient for those that are diagnosed within that first couple of days starting the monoclonal antibody treatment, which is essentially outpatient IV treatment and then monitoring them for about four to six hours after they receive it that has significantly reduced hospitalization.
7: What is your anticipation if we've cut hospitalizations in the last six weeks in half? where are we going to be in April or may? Does that
4: I hope do- when we hit April and May, we have zero hospitalizations, but realistically we may be looking at maybe two,
7: two to three and that seems to me to be a very highly significant fact because once you get down to that don't you have this uh, really a um, parallel circumstance to just regular flu
4: well you you get to a parallel circumstance with anybody with significant respiratory disease and these are hospitalizations with other comorbidities these aren't necessarily i think shore regional health data dashboard today showed three or four hospitalizations secondary to COVID. So some of these hospitalizations could be for other reasons. They may just have a positive COVID test and it's not necessarily COVID related symptomatology. And the other thing you're seeing now is with the reduction, the overall reduction in hospital inpatient activity, you're also seeing normal hospital inpatient activity increase So the total bed usage in a hospital is now starting to come back to more normal levels. The inpatient surgeries, those patients that are in for medical treatment, cardiac treatment, and stuff like that. So we're starting to see a definite return to a more normal parameter as far as what we're looking at as far as hospital activity. And Shore Regional Health, up to this point in time, we've only had one location for monoclonal antibody treatment. And that was at Peninsula Regional. Shore Regional will have the capability within probably the meeting I had this evening before this meeting was within the next 10 days to two weeks, we will have that capability at Easton and at Chestertown. So we don't have to have our residents go all the way to Salisbury to get their monoclonal antibody treatment. So that's a good thing. And I mean, I think the more we can vaccinate, I think the better off we're all going to be. May I proceed? Sir, (laughs) please. And as you can see, the highest propensity for severity of this is our senior population, and this is where essentially the majority of the hospitalizations are occurring as well as the deaths. This is a pretty good breakdown of age group and total cases and as you can see that 45 to 54 sitting at about 16% and when you look at our 0 to 18 and this is what we saw early on and right before the holidays that 0 to 18 was sitting at 15 percent we were that's our child care young infants in school age. But since that time, watching our positivity rate for that age group has taken a significant drop to I think at this point in time in that two to five, two to 3% rate. So hopefully spring break will not cause a significant uptick in all of this, but we'll keep an eye on it as we go through this. And I'm glad to see that schools are back and back with the hybrid. The AABB and before we take any further steps with the schools, I would f- certainly recommend we see how we do with this process before we tender any consideration for going into full return to class. See how see how the environment is over the next month. So that's it for me. Thank you. Questions?
2: I don't have a question because I talk to you all the time, get lots of information, but I do, um, every chance I get, want to let the public know um, what an amazing job you guys are doing and the complaints that I hear out there, um, they're not a reflection on the work that you guys are doing. It's just a matter of supply for vaccines. When you only have a couple hundred a week that you're getting, you can only do so much and what you guys have done is you've got even more out of what you're getting which is an amazing thing I, I i hope people understand that that i mean you're you're getting more doses out of the allocation than what was initially expected so we're getting more jabs into the arms with a limited supply i mean it's the most resourceful every, every you could be.
4: every drop in that vial to me right is precious liquid gold
2: right i mean when we say nothing gets wasted i mean literally nothing is getting wasted and that's a, a uh, a tremendous benefit to the citizens of Queen's County. So, thank you.
7: Jack? One, one last one from me. Our clinics that we're, we're putting out are staffed with what? Nurses from Health or who's mainly there? What I want to know is, the reason I'm asking that, is that something that is going to deplete any department we have like EMS over time or do you feel confident? I have, I
4: have. Pull back the utilization of EMS providers. We still have an EMS presence in in the area. We have occasional When we have a large clinic, we may have one of the paramedics with us to help vaccinate. But right now when I'm running six vaccinators, that's a combination of health department nurses, clinical nurses, as well as the Maxim nurses, the contracted nurses that we have hired through the health department.
7: Right. So you're happy that we can I'm keep-
4: happy. I'm happy with what the way things are flowing. We have our admin people, both from the health department. And I must say our area on aging and I will put a shout out to Kathy Willis. Her staff has been maintaining the call center. And once we developed that wonderful wish list of I want a vaccine, that thing <laughs> hit 29,000 yesterday. And we've worked out a deal with Chris, the state reporting system for medical vaccination. We sent that list to CRISP because they will be able to comb through the list and already identify individuals that have received their vaccine. Because what we have found a lot of the people that we're now calling on that list have already been vaccinated. So we can call that list down from a time progression and management standpoint, it makes it less onerous than trying to go page by page. So.
7: So I'd just like to say on behalf of the public, you know, you've been complimented and thanked a lot, but it goes on and thank you again, sir.
4: Anything else? Anything else? All right. Thank you.
0: Wipe Doctor. the table. Thanks, Dr. Ciotolo. Always very informative. All right, commissioners, um, we have Mr. Curtis Blau, recreation program coordinator. We have a couple of proclamations to uh, give out this evening. So, Curtis, if you want to make your way in. Yeah, we have two folks coming in. Everybody
7: can come
0: in. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Curtis, come on up. Commissioners, you can... Um, we're looking at item number two, tab six, item two and three on page 13 and 14. So, Curtis, take it away.
2: I don't have any papers with me, so I was hoping you all did. Um, oh, we do.
0: We do. Yeah. Okay.
2: My name is Curtis Blauk. Um, we're here to um, do the Good Sportsmanship Awards. Um, uh, Maryland has made the proclamation for Good Sports for the state for the month of March of 2021. And I have a player and a coach here to uh, introduce. I don't know which one you want to do first, but. uh...
0: You
1: want to do the proclamations?
0: Sure. Yeah. All right. Sure.
1: So let's start with, um, let's start with Brianna. Brianna, how are you? Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I have a proclamation to read a uh, designation of March is good sportsmanship month whereas Queen Anne's County recognizes the sports are a major social force that influences American culture and families in Queen Anne's County and whereas being involved in sports whether it's a coach a player a fan a referee or an umpire. Um, I just threw that in <laughs> <laughs> everyone should promote good sportsmanship and foster the development of positive characteristics for physical fitness and growth. And whereas elements of good sportsmanship reflect crucial life skills that help students thrive throughout their education, rendering a strong sense of character, collaboration that will prepare them for the workplace. And whereas sportsmanship can combat bullying and promote inclusion by providing a safe and healthy environment where players value respect fairness, integrity, responsibility and perseverance and whereas fostering a commitment to these qualities on the playing field can prevent harassment and reduce incident and concussions and other injuries. And whereas the state of Maryland has designated March as good sportsmanship month and whereas during good sportsmanship month, we recognize Brianna risk as a player who has met the criteria of a good sports player through her leadership attitude community service fair play and her dedication commitment and respect to the team coaches and officials her father is an official whereas we recognize brandon risk for her good sportsmanship and for <coughs> being awarded the good sports award for the mid-atlantic recreation and parks and sports alliance now therefore we the county commissioners of queen anne's county do hereby Proclaim March as good sportsmanship month in Queen Anne's County, Maryland. It's a proclamation for you signed by all the county commissioners. You can come up and get this Brianna and I think probably your father wants to take a photograph. (laughs) Congratulations. Turn around face your dad. (laughs) There you go. That's a Queen Anne's County
7: challenge Coin. Thank you.
1: Good job, kiddo. Good job. And then um, the first five whereases are similar to Brianna's, so I'm going to go right to the coaching one. Um, The state of Maryland has designated March as a good sportsmanship month. And whereas during good sportsmanship month, we recognize Dawn Wachowski.
5: Stephanie Grotendick, <laughs> Don Wachowski nominated. Me. Yeah, Don, yeah.
1: Don nominated her. Okay, we'll get you a corrected one. <laughs> All right, we'll make the corrections. As, as coach, who has met the criteria of good sportsmanship, so I, I apologize. Um, what is your name?
5: Stephanie Grotendick.
1: Um. Who has met the criteria of good sportsmanship through her preparation and dedication, respect for officials, teaching skills, emphasis on teamwork, team ethics, leadership, motivation, and sportsmanship, and patience. Whereas we recognize Stephanie for her good sportsmanship and for being awarded the Good Sports Coach Award for the Mid-Atlantic Recreation and Parks uh, Sports Alliance. Now, therefore, we the county commissioners. Of Queen Anne's County, do hereby proclaim March as Good Sportsmanship Month of Queen Anne's County, and we'll get you a corrected one. Yes,
4: and I'll give it to
5: you. Okay.
1: Okay. And um, why don't you come up? Anybody want to? What? Somebody want to take pictures? Oh,
5: it's okay. <laughs> I don't need a picture. It's okay. But what? What
1: sports? You. What? What sports did you play, and what are you coaching?
7: Both field hockey. hockey. Like, okay. Yeah,
2: and she does field hockey and lacrosse. Okay. Great. Excellent.
1: Very good. Thank you. Very right. good. Congratulations. Sorry if you're
3: going to give her a challenge coin. Not
1: a problem at all.
3: Okay. so you can give her a challenge coin now. Yeah. That. <clears throat> there you go.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank Congratulations. Thanks for coming in tonight. Thank you all. All right, commissioners. That's all of our presentations for this evening. We do have a few action items to take care of this evening. So if you want to flip back to tab number three, first we have um, a proclamation for character counts, pillar of the month, responsibility.
2: Jack, you want to read that one? I'll do the next want to take, one. Take uh, what am I doing? Do hard I have it? responsibility? Uh, I don't have the hard copy, but it's in the. Right, the book. Sorry,
0: yeah, uh, tab three, item one. Page
3: there we go. Alrighty then. Uh, pillar of the month for is responsibility. Uh, whereas Queen Anne's County is a character counts community and this month we celebrate the character pillar of responsibility. And whereas by striving to work toward our own wellness goals we are better equipped to help others. And whereas by confronting diverse perspectives in a respectful, productive way, we are taking responsibility for ensuring equity and whereas by considering and honoring the viewpoints of others, we are responsible for fair-minded and enlightened dialogue, and whereas by listening to one another with an open heart and mind, we are responsible for hearing other perspectives and agreeing or disagreeing amicably, and whereas by taking initiative and utilizing foresight, we are taking responsibility for planning and organizing events and activities in the most effective manner, and whereas by following through on the things we agree to do, we show responsibility by honoring our commitments, And whereas by accepting the notion that complex problems require all hands on deck responsible individuals pitch in to find solutions even if it's not their problem. And whereas in the event that a seemingly well planned project falls short of its expectations responsible individuals own their mistakes. And whereas by examining the origins of our truths and convictions we are more open to understanding the truths and convictions of those with opposing views. And whereas by choosing our words with kindness and respect at the forefront. Responsible individuals always consider the power of those words on others. Now, therefore, we, the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby designate the character counts put in the month for March is responsibility.
0: All right, okay, thank you, Commissioner. Item two on page two is uh, another proclamation. This is uh, for March, which is Endometriosis Awareness Month.
2: All right, it's uh, proclamation 21 11. Whereas March is Endometriosis Awareness Month, and whereas endometriosis is a condition where the uterine lining grows outside of the uterus on ovaries, fallopian tubes, and other locations throughout the abdomen and body. Whereas endometriosis affects 176 million reproductive age women worldwide. And whereas uh, those who have endometriosis often have a diminished quality of life, due to pain caused by the disease. Whereas unfortunately, there has been a great general lack of awareness due to the normalization of symptoms being shrugged off as a severe menstrual pain, which contributes to the delayed diagnosis for many women. Whereas when symptoms are not identified early enough, it can take anywhere between three to 11 years for a woman to be diagnosed with endometriosis as reported by the National Institutes of Health and the U.S. Library of Medicine. And whereas, there are four ways to spread awareness about endometriosis. Talk about endometriosis to open lines of communication with yourself, your family, friends, and most importantly, your healthcare provider. Join an event such as Endo March, a worldwide event where survivors and supporters gather to march for awareness. Educate yourself, and your loved ones that might be experiencing signs and symptoms of endometriosis. Share your story to help others understand what you have been through, which can be a beneficial part of the healing process. Now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County do hereby proclaim March as Endometriosis Endometriosis Awareness Month to bring awareness to this debilitating disease so that the healing process can begin.
0: All right, thank you, commissioners. Okay, our next uh, item is on page three through 53. this is the Federal Transit Administration, F- FTA, and MTA certificate and assurance package required for the FY22 annual transportation plan for Queen Anne's County. This is an annual thing that we sign each year that provides us uh, funding for our specialized transportation assistance program uh, through county rides. So can I get a motion on that, please?
7: We the Queen Anne County Commissioners do hereby adopt the authorizing resolution 21-05 for the Federal Transit Administration FTA and Maryland Transit Administration certifications and assurances fiscal year 2022 packet in order to certify that Queen Anne's County Department of Community Services Area Agency on Aging will operate the public transit system and the statewide specialized transportation assistance program.
2: Second. Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor?
1: Aye. Aye.
0: Any opposed? Four in favor, one absent. Thank you, commissioners. Item number four on page 54 is budget amendment CC29, hometown tourism grant. This is a grant received uh, by the Office of Tourism from the Maryland Department of Commerce uh, for uh, hometown tourism, advertisements for restaurants, entertainment, wineries, and breweries, distilleries, attractions in Queen Anne's County.
3: Motion to approve budget amendment CC 29. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any
0: discussion?
2: All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Four in favor, one
0: absent. Thank you, commissioners. Item five on page 55 is budget amendment CC 30. This is an amendment that establishes additional budget authority to distribute the fire impact fees in fiscal year 2021.
7: Move to approve budget amendment CC30.
2: Second. Got a motion to second. Any discussion?
0: All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Four in favor, one absent. Thank you, commissioners. And our last item tonight is budget amendment CC31 for public drainage. And this is a budget amendment that will decrease budget authority uh, for our public drainage project, which is uh, unrealized uh, state grants. I
3: move to approve budget amendment CC
0: 31. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any discussion?
3: Yeah. Tom, What is this one specific project or various projects?
0: No, that's a, that's a good question, Commissioner. This is a, a bit unusual. The um, In the capital budget, um, we the public works had put in um, uh, anticipated state grants each year for public drainage, all of which were unrealized, and those those values had, had accumulated over a number of years and back this year looking at the capital budget and uh, decreasing stuff removing stuff that was not realized so this is just an accumulation of, uh, of several years that of grants that we never never received.
3: So would these projects have tied into uh, helping with our MS4 side or no? They certainly
0: could have been but this this these were started well before MS4 was even uh, right. on the no, radar. I, oh, yes. yes, okay. We're right. always looking for state grants for, for public drainage and they just weren't realized in those particular years. So we're just trying to get those clean up available. the books. Yeah, gotcha. yep. that's correct.
2: All right, we've got a motion to approve budget amendment CC 31. In a second, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Aye.
0: Opposed? Aye. Zero. Four in favor, one absent. Right. Commissioners, that's all we had for our action items for tonight. Uh, we can move to round table if you like. Do no press of public comment?
4: There's no one out yep. there. Yeah, we have none.
2: All right. Okay. Commissioner uh, Steve Wilson.
8: First,
7: <laughs> the matriarch. Oh, indeed. <laughs> um, 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 I think the most significant thing that's been happening in our space is just the beginning of the wind down of the one of the worst years this country has ever had and i uh, i'm delighted to see it moving downhill and i think this hospitalization rate thing that i've brought up before is the key to the whole thing because hospitalizations in the united states have dropped by 50 percent in six weeks and if that trend continues into may it's going to reduce the hospitalization and death rate in this country to something very little more than common flu or And I think that's a super critical point and cause it should be a great optimism in the United States because I think things are actually getting better around here. So I'm quite happy about the direction the country's headed in right now. So that's it. Commissioner Duminale.
1: Well, I had a list of things on my uh, list for roundtable discussion. I'm going to eliminate a couple of them. Um, one one issue and, and I'm I'm not sure really what we can do as commissioners or what our staff can do. Um, but I know my fellow commissioners and I have received a tremendous amount of emails and phone calls regarding um, these excessive Delmarva power bills. Um, I think to say we've received 100 would, or 200 or 300 would be a mistake. It was, it's a lot more than that. Um, know that that uh, to a certain level, our staff and, and, and uh, our county administrator have been working with the folks at Delmarva Power trying to figure out why we're having these these exorbitant and these uh, sometimes triple amount of uh, electric bills that that people are are having to deal with financially. Um, I don't know what we can do as a body um, to address this with Delmarva. Um, Perhaps maybe just a letter it signed by my fellow commissioners uh, asking that they, you know, look closely and delve into any possibilities as to why these folks are receiving these, these, these crazy electric bills. Um, Then the other thing is, um, I know that uh, prior to the commissioners meeting, uh, two of our county commissioners met with the Board of Ed. Um, there's some concerns that parents have shared um, with when um, they can expect their children will be heading back to school at least for full days a couple days a week um, we've been assured that the board of ed uh, is and dr Ken and her staff are working on that and we hope that in the next few weeks we'll have some more information regarding that um that's all i have
8: okay thank you
7: yeah. i'd like to make one remark on the electric bills which is that when you saw the or heard about the situation in Texas blowing up like it did one of the problems they had were variable rate bills which meant that during periods of high demand the actual amount that customers were being charged got moved up a lot because the power companies were buying more expensive electricity and passing that through and I Specifically called up our Department of Public Works and asked if we had any r- variable rate plans in the system, and was told we did not. So that it would seem like what this is mainly is a question of usage, not you know an accelerated rate as a result of you know something plans that people didn't understand what the impact of it would be during times like that when the rates because states buy and districts buy power from each other and they can charge all kinds of different numbers. And then that gets passed through to the, to the individual customers. But I'm told that in this county we do not have that now for what that's worth. Sir, you know more about electric than anyone else. Why don't you remark <laughs> on this?
1: I just, I, I, again, I have had folks share with me um, where their usage during the daytime is on, on a graph is is minimal yeah. where the kids are online they're virtual learning mom and dad or both or one are working from home on their computers there's electricity on they, I mean they're, they're they're going about their daily lives at night they drop their thermostat to 68 degrees they put on sweatpants and hoodies they turn all the lights off in the house and they go to bed and yet their electric bills are showing huge spikes in that time period where there's nothing being used in the middle of the night. So um, again, you know, we can't dictate to them what they have to do, um, obviously, but I think that some show of concern from the my fellow commissioners in this county, perhaps a letter, like I said to to them to say, look, you know what? There's some anomalies here that we would like to see you guys really look into uh, on a more personal basis. Again, I don't know what else we can do, but it's too alarming. There's just too many cases where where these anomalies are popping up and it just does not make sense.
7: Yeah, well, I I mean, we wouldn't have been calling them and trying to find out about variable rates if we weren't concerned. But I mean, it's this is a real, real uh, mystery. Sir, thank you.
2: Commissioner Wilson?
3: So the authority on that will be the Public Service Commission and I encourage anybody out there who is, does not like their bill or is, stands in judgment of their bill whether they did it or not. The Public Service Commission in the state of Maryland is the regulatory body for Delmarva Power, so you would be going to their boss at that point. And so I would recommend everybody to get, uh, write letters to the Public Service Commission and send attachments with the copies of their bills. Um, previous years bill to match to it would be a great idea because it shows um, uh, at least something to compare it to. But I will say, uh, to your point, a lot of people were staying home uh, and working from home and 68 degrees is still pretty warm and we had some pretty uh, bad temperatures. So their units probably ran more. I know mine did. I mean, I went back and looked at my own usage this year and it was up. Um, and rates have gone up. It's plain and simple. Rates have gone up. so it's a, probably a combination of things um, but again if you want to dispute it the best place to dispute it is at the public service commission because they will they will put the hammer down if they get enough complaints so that's that's where i would take it to right
2: and um, if they have a heat pump when the temperature drops then the emergency heats kicking yeah in i mean
3: yeah, below 40 degrees heat pumps are they're they fall off the efficiency curve so uh Typically, your electric heat's gonna kick in around 20, 25, and we've had quite a few cold nights, just even as recently as last night, I think it got down into the uh, high 20s, so. And 68 is still a relatively warm temperature, honestly. I mean, I keep mine at 64 at night, so. But, I I digress. I wanna uh, say I agree with uh, Commissioner Wilson on on the fact that we are getting back to some normalcy. I mean, I think uh, everybody's been, it's commented earlier, it's been a year so just imagine taking one year out of your life at any other point in your life and how your life might be different, you know what I mean? So I think we all uh, represent that. Our lives are definitely different than they were a year ago when we were sitting here. So Godspeed moving forward and hopefully uh, we, uh, by May, June, we'll be having crab feasts and volunteer fire uh, barbecues and, and, and bull roasts and uh, the waterfront will be fun and the beaches will be full and we can all get back to... Uh, what we were used to here in Queen Anne's County. So, thank you.
6: All right.
2: Um, I, I think uh, Commissioner Dumanel raises a, a good point with um, Del Marvin. I know Todd has been reaching out to them a lot. Uh, and I would say if, if we can invite them in and they want to sort of explain what they've done to investigate the complaints that have been referred to them from our citizens, <clears throat> it might be helpful for them to sort of explain what they do uh, when they have these and for the citizens to understand that. Um, give us a chance to ask some more questions. So hopefully we can get them in here. We sure certainly uh, can. Okay. Can't compel them, but uh, we can certainly ask them to. Um, and then I wanted to say, um, we missed it. It was yesterday was the International Women's Day. So I wanna give a shout out to that to all the women in the county, especially since our county is named after women, it should be a specific thing of importance here. And since I live at home with a, a wife and three daughters, if I didn't raise that, I was going to get <laughs> in an awful lot of trouble. Uh, they rule the roost, and I think everybody understands that, um, and we're better off for it. Um I, say again, thank you to Dr. C and everybody with the vaccine rollout. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there still very um, concerned. Um, I see the comments the people are on there on Facebook about they don't think the county is doing a good enough job. And I will say this. If you don't think the county is doing a good job job on the vaccine, you do not know what you're talking about. The county is doing a top notch job. You can only do with what you have. Um, and I'll be very defensive of the people who work for this county who are out there trying to take care of everybody. Amen. Especially those in the emergency service and health department who have now been at this for a year taking care of this county. And as you've seen from Dr. Ciotola's presentation, the numbers for deaths and infected is, I mean, every death is tragic and sad, but we have done very well. And it's thanks to the citizens for listening. But. Thanks to people like Dr. Saytola and all the county employees who have been pushing out the messages taking care of us testing us um, and making sure that you know businesses know how to operate keep in business while keeping people safe. Um, You guys in the county should be extremely proud of the staff that works here in the county and every department and what they're doing to keep you safe during covid. And that's with that
1: I make a motion to adjourn second all right turn